Our Spartans get absolutely positively rolled at Mackey. Uh, we look at that game. And then also, if I offered you a seven seed in March Madness right now, would you take it? Hmm, let's see. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your week with us here at Locked on Spartans. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan. Ever want to reach out? LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com, and we are going to get into the thick of the game that took place at Mackey Arena. Uh, but first, hey, with LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. That game... Yeah, went about as everyone expected it to. Maybe not everyone. Okay, everyone might be over-exaggerating. There were some faithful Spartan fans out there that thought that, hey, taking on Purdue uh, at Mackey, a place that Michigan State hasn't won since 2014 and honestly probably will never win at the rest of my lifetime. Uh, But for the majority of us, I think that game kind of went the way that we thought it would because how many times have we seen a game between Michigan State and Purdue at Mackey that's over in roughly 20 minutes of real time. Um, Michigan State mixed it up today. Uh, they actually started off the first four minutes really good. You know, they, they were within a possession. They were even leading at some points instead of you know their normal first four-minute tradition of trying to get down as many points as humanly possible. No, they wait until after the 16 or the under 16 timeout to uh, see things really start unraveling. So let's just go through a little bit and pieces of the game here. What I want to start with is the offense for Michigan State, the shot selection for Michigan State, namely. And if you're on YouTube, we're going to try this graphic right here. I'm going to try to share my screen. And right here, what you have in front of you is the shot chart from today's game. And if you are on the podcast, don't worry. I will try to paint a picture of the shot chart to you. On the right here, ladies and gentlemen, that is Purdue's shot chart. You see a lot of dots around the basket. You see a lot of dots outside of the three-point arc. Now, let's take a visit to the left-hand side of the screen. Oh my god, it, it, it is a scatter plot with no correlation whatsoever. There's some by the hoop. There's a lot at the elbow. There's some 15 feet away. Others oh, 20 feet there's, there's a lot of variety here with Michigan State shots. And this is where I have the problem, and a lot of us have the problem with Michigan State, um, is that they love a good mid-range too. They love a good mid-range too, and this actually goes back a few games where uh, Michigan State lost at Illinois, and Brad Underwood after the game said something to the effect of, we were going to give them open twos, open jump shot twos all day, and they were happy to take them. Okay, now this has been the change in basketball, obviously, if you've been paying attention, especially at the NBA level, uh, where the Rockets were famous for it when James Harden played for them. You're either going to get a layup or you're going to shoot a three. I I think it's not as black and white as that, but my goodness, it cannot have this many mid-range jump shots because, well, look, just from a simple number standpoint, going 4 of 10 from three-point land is better than going 5 of 10 from lawn two. 
you get 12 points for making four of your 10 three-pointers and then just 10 points for making five of your 10 lawn twos, which is still a challenging shot, nevertheless. Uh, so let's just look at it individually play-by-player -play here because this was clear. This was Purdue's game plan, was get Michigan State into the mid-range game. MSU, who is a top 30 team at shooting the three-point ball this year. That's right. MSU is damn near elite at shooting three-pointers. They only shot 10 of them at Mackey Arena. And I know that, hey, in a 77-61 to 61 game, it's not one thing that was the difference here, but this is a difference. Uh, let's just click around different players a year. A.J. Hogard, okay, you know, he was a little all over the place, but, hey, he had a good game. Not going to get on him too much. Jaden Akins, as you can see, all over the place. And I do like the two dots that they have right on the line because there's nothing Michigan State loves more than taking a long two with their foot on the three-point line. And then there's Tyson Walker. Right here, just two three-point attempts, of course, made them both. But he also is looking at 0 of 5, I'm sorry, 1 of 7. Sorry, I should have wrote this down. 1 of 7 from lawn mid-range twos. That's just not an efficient game, ladies and gentlemen. So that's the first thing I want to nitpick on is, hey, let's maybe limit the lawn twos. Maybe shoot some threes because it's not like you're not good at it. You are literally amongst the best in the nation at this. So Purdue had the game plan defensively. Michigan State fell right into the bear trap, just like they did against Illinois not too long ago. And if we know anything about Michigan State basketball and how much they love a lawn two, it's probably not going to change. It's probably not going to change ever, actually. Uh, other things to nitpick about, uh, four shots total for Joey Hauser. Uh, that's unacceptable. Uh, guys, one of your better threats on the team scoring-wise. we got to have this man not having a season-low four field goal attempts when you're trying to unseat a number one team at their home gym. But I digress. And also, just something else I want to nitpick about. What is this schedule? What is this schedule? Like, this is unbelievable. This was Michigan State's second road Big Ten game on a weekend. Folks, we got four more of these coming up in a row. Michigan State will have played six road Big Ten games in a row on a weekend. As if it wasn't bad enough earlier in the year where they had that five-game stretch where all five were separated by just two days of rest. Now you are going on the road every single weekend where it's you know, pretty good crowds. You know, you, you're you're going to want a weekend crowd if you're hosting a home game rather than your Tuesday at 9 p.m. crowd. So great job, Big Ten. Whatever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm nitpicking. I'm just crying just for the sake of crying. And... Last but not least, look, the front court was obviously no good today. Uh, Mati Sissoko, four points, two rebounds. Jackson Kohler, zero points, two rebounds. Uh, Carson Cooper, two points. And we said this not too long ago. I think it was after the Iowa game, actually. Uh, that This is really becoming like watching the Michigan State football team and the secondary. Right? Where eventually, hey, we're, what are we? We're, we're a month away from the regular season coming to a close. At this point, you are who you are. I'm not going to get on these airwaves or this YouTube channel and just say like, oh, they need to play better in the front court. Mighty needs to... They are who they are at this point. We are 75% through the season. Mighty Sissoko himself is nearly 75% of the way through his college career. Like, this is just what we have now. Like, so it's like when you watch Michigan State football game. You can count on the secondary getting absolutely fried more times than not. Just like any time you watch a Michigan State basketball game... You can count 
on the other team's big man having a generational performance. And that's no different than what we saw from Zach Eady. 70 points and 30 rebounds combined in his two games against Michigan State. Oh, man. Um, but also... Let's uh, not talk about us anymore for the rest of this little segment because maybe this was just how good Purdue is at the end of the day, right? I, and I know that is very uncomfortable to say because I have long been a truther that this Purdue team is just overrated. You know, they yeah, they got a tall guy and eventually, you know, just relying on three-star freshmen in the backcourt is not going to sustain itself. Their role players aren't good enough. But what am I talking about now? Just like we said with Madi and the whole big man thing. We're 75% of the way through the season, maybe even a little more. Um, maybe Purdue is just good. You don't get this far into a season having just one loss. And it ends up that, hey, maybe having a center that looks like a folklore character might just be a good thing to have in college basketball. And look, I don't I don't celebrate uh, 38 points and 17 rebounds from a guy that's 7'5". Uh, it's like Aaron Henry's quote a few years ago when Michigan State was making their late tournament push. You don't applaud a fish for swimming. I don't applaud a 7'5 guy for scoring nearly 40 points and getting nearly 20 rebounds because you're six inches from the rim just uh, in general like, is what you should do. But if I can get the salty taste out of my mouth, we do have to acknowledge how well this kid has progressed in his career in West Lafayette. I mean, the guy's got some pretty good footwork for a guy his size. And... God, not to mention, pretty solid free throw shooter as well. You tell me someone that's seven foot four, seven foot five is shooting at seventy two percent from the line, and also looks to have a good stroke doing it. Like, look, you got to give it to Edie. This kid has developed and has progressed in his career to the point where, yeah, sure, he is tall, but he's also a little talented too. And it might not be fun to admit, but yeah, like. Purdue's got something good going for them, and maybe they are just that bonafide top five team in the nation. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, you added in that you, you played at Mackey against the number one team, and, I yeah, it, it's, it sucks to lose. It sucks to end your gauntlet on the road, and by the gauntlet I mean you go to Indiana, you go to Illinois, and then you go to Purdue. Those are my three gauntlet road games. 0-3 in all of them, disappointing, um, but... Yeah, it's the number one team at Mackey, and that just happens sometimes. It sucks that it happens. I'm not thrilled about it, but sometimes a team is just a lot better than you. And I think, unfortunately, that's what we got with Purdue here. And that was my main takeaway of the game, is when I'm watching, my, my main ire, my, my main point of anger, is just going back to Martin Luther King Day and just Michigan State was that close to beating them, which would have been a really good win to have on the resume, but... You didn't get the first time. You certainly didn't get the second time. So here we are. We will be back talking more shooty hoops, of course, in a hot second. But just got to talk your ear off about FanDuel Sportsbook. That's right. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. Come on, you knew the answer. America's number one sportsbook. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they are the number one sportsbook in America. FanDuel, that's right. And if you're new to FanDuel, well, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel right now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel also lets you bet on everything from Moneyline, Point spreads, props, who will score touchdowns, some futures. The FanDuel, uh, if I can talk, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, su super easy to use, and you get paid so quick with these guys. 
You're not waiting around days at a time for your money. No, no, no. When you hit the, you, when you hit it big, you're getting paid quickly by FanDuel. And best of all, you do get your winnings paid instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Now let's dive more into the game here, and we'll kick off segment number two with just some moral victory theater. I guess something to feel good about after losing by 16 points on the road uh, in another bloodbath at Mackey. Um, I got three things written down. Uh, the first one is at least you got to enjoy your Sunday afternoon a little quicker, because like we said at the top, th- this game was over in about 20 minutes of real time. Game tips off at 12.15. You can probably go with the rest of your Sunday afternoon at about 12.35, unless you're a sick person like me who ended up just ended up watching the entire game from front to back. And uh, hmm, maybe we'll make better life choices next time, but not today. Um, Yeah, so there you have it. That's one piece of positive news. On a real note, though, uh, look, there is uh, something to be said about A.J. Hogard bouncing back. 20 points, 6 assists, and also what I like the most from A.J. Hogarth today, 9 free throw attempts. Getting to the free throw line is something that Michigan State is kind of sort of horrendous at this year, to put it lightly. And A.J. Hogarth took initiative. Uh, He probably saw that the team was not going to be doing well today. How many times have we seen it so far this season when he sees that, okay, someone needs to step up, it's going to be me, and of course, more importantly, off the heels of his stinker against Iowa. Let's just call it what it was. That was not a good game that he had against Iowa. He played just eh against Indiana, so he nips those two bad games right in the bud, uh, bounces back. Good performance on the road in a tough environment, so there you have it. And also, thing number three, at least we're not Michigan, right? That was not fun, losing my 16 points, but at least we're not one game above 500, just wondering if we're even going to qualify for the NIT, because you need to be above 500 to qualify for the NIT. And huh, you just, what a shame. That's a bummer. I feel so bad for them down the road. But yeah, it could it could be a lot worse. Now, that's not to say that none of us are worried about Michigan State. You know, like not just making the tournament, but also where the seed line is going to fall in the tournament. So we are going to get to that in a little bit, just talking seeds and everything. But what is also nice, here's a bonus for Moral Victory Theater is that the schedule does lighten up for Michigan State moving on. All right, they got nine games left. Like we said, they don't have the gauntlet anymore of going to Purdue, going to Indiana, going to Illinois. All the tough road games are out of the way, and they really dodge one this upcoming weekend with not having to go to the rack. Instead, you're playing at Madison Square Garden. So your next nine games, neutral court against Rutgers. We'll call it at Rutgers. Uh, home against Maryland, away at Ohio State, home against Minnesota, away at Michigan, home against Indiana, away at Iowa, away at Nebraska, home against Ohio State to end your regular season. That's nine games. And Bart Torvik right now, that's right, they do all the simulations on their super fancy computers. They have Michigan State favored in five of those games. And uh, the sixth game is the Michigan game. They are actually underdogs by less than a point, so that's a coin toss. Let's move on. Uh, The road games, okay? Like we said, Rutgers, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Nebraska. That's not a murderer's row of road games. Sure, you might not be favored in all of them, but as far as environment goes and matchups go, Rutgers at Madison Square Garden, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Nebraska, those are five games that you're probably 
not too upset at scene after just leaving Mackey Arena. Uh, and the home games are Maryland, Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio State. So right now, as it stands, uh, before the game on Sunday, there are a few bracketologies out there. And Bracket Matrix, which if you're not hip to that website, they take dozens of bracketologist projections. They combine it all into one to average out who gets what seed. And right now, amongst the dozens of bracketologists, Michigan State was at a seven seed. Uh, they were at a seven seed. Actually, before the game, Joe Lenardi of ESPN had Michigan State as a six seed before the game. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports had a seven seed. And then uh, this website we'd like to reference a lot here, local Michigan kid, uh, 131 Sports. They're also awesome at you know predicting the brackets. They had Michigan State as a seven seed as well. Now, the computers that we just talked about on Bart Torvik says that you will be an 11 seed, which right now... Seems a little suspect to me, but hey, you know what? After the game, I threw it out to the uh, people on Twitter. Right now, if you could take a seven seed, just sign the dotted line, you get a seven seed. Do you take it or do you roll the dice for the rest of the season? And we got about 1,500 votes. 72% of people said yes, take the seven seed. All right, just slam the button. I don't want to go any further. Just give us that seven seed. I don't want to see the slip any further into a 9 seed or an 8 seed or dare I say an 11 seed but anyway the rest of you 28% said nah roll the dice let's keep going and we got a lot of good comments that were all over the board a lot of people contradicting the person that commented after them I mean we had someone say we'd be lucky to even be a 7 seed and then someone saying anyone taking the 7 seed is soft and then someone saying we can easily win out that's right we can easily win out love that confidence that's what I'm talking about and someone else saying there's only one gimme left on this schedule which is true you know I mean the, the Minnesota game is the only quote unquote gimme the only game you're favored in uh favored by double digits according to Bart Torvik and then another battle too is uh I lock in any seed at this point and then someone else saying, roll the dice because we ain't scurred. We, there are some scurred people out here, though. There are some people that are a little frightened. Uh, or if you're just like Fall Guy who tweeted, uh, I've had enough stress this season, just end it. Okay, we can go down that road, too. Just nuke the season. Let's just act like it never happened. Who cares about the tournament? Ah, <laughs> no. I, I'm not there yet. It's going to take a while for me to get to that point because I still want to see this team in the tournament. Heck, I still think that this team... Could make uh, some noise in March, which is absurd to say after a 16-point loss, but we'll hit that harder on tomorrow's show, and we hit it a lot last week, too, if you remember any of those. But let's get back to the seven-seed conversation. Steiner says, Take the seven because there is basically zero potential for additional wins versus ranked opponents. A couple more losses can put us squarely on the 8-9 line. And Andrew writes in, oh, if I could pick my light back up. Oh, it's in shambles over here on, on YouTube. My lighting's falling all over the place. Oh, here we go. Uh, Andrew writes, I feel like there are a lot of winnable games left. They can earn their way up to a 6 or even a 5. So, it's interesting because it could come down to quad 1 losses. And that is a good point that Steiner brings up, that there's not a lot of potential good wins left. But, but right now on the schedule, there are 6 quad 1 games left on the menu. Right now, Michigan State has four quad one wins, which isn't bad, you know, nationally speaking. Uh, Purdue is up there. They have eight. They're the lead in the clubhouse. But I think uh, four quad one wins puts Michigan State in like that 20th best, 30th best in the nation right there. So if you can get up to seven quad one wins, 
you know, I'm not going to say no to that. Dare I say make it eight? That sounds like a good time. So I think there is opportunity to move up the seed line, especially with how tightly packed the rest of this nation is. So I, I get both sides, but I think there is opportunity to move up some seed lines if Michigan State can go on a run here. Just like Spartacus said, and this is something that we alluded to earlier. He writes, schedule was front-loaded. Last eight, we could go six and two, and we haven't been healthy. I think that is being overlooked maybe by a few people, is that, yeah, Michigan State is healthy now. Now, did they display how healthy they were in the last two games? Hey, you got Malik Hall back. You barely squeaked by Iowa at home. Yikes. That was a little frightening. And then you got lambasted at Mackey Arena. No, I don't think that is a good barometer of what Michigan State can do when they are fully healthy. But look, I think that this game against Purdue was one or two of the only stinkers that you've had since January. And it has been a pretty tumultuous schedule too. So, yeah, I think that Michigan State still can go 6-2. and two. Do I think they will go 6-2? and two? My guess is they go 5-3. and three. In the last eight, but hey, six and two, obviously not too far away. Matthew writes in, streak is the biggest thing we have going. Final fours are huge, but no chance to add to it from the NIT. So he's smashing that button to stop and just get us in the seven seed. Um, yeah, so it's all over the board here as far as conversation goes with where we want to see Michigan State, uh, <laughs> you know, right now. Do, do they take the seven seed or do they go on? Fortunately for us, uh, this is just a hypothetical. We will have to see them play the rest of the year, and I really think that this week off could help this team. It has been quite the January for the boys here, and yeah, <laughs> that's, that was probably as mentally deflating as it was physically deflating as well. And uh, to end the show here, uh, we're just going to recognize Josiah Scott. Philadelphia Eagles, that's right, they are going Two Super Bowl 57 playing in Arizona. This is actually, um, this means that it has been nine straight years with a Spartan playing in a Super Bowl, uh, going all the way back to 2015. So this will be another uh, chapter in Spartans in Super Bowl history. Of course, you know, Benny Fowler with the Broncos back in the day. Last year you had Brian Allen. Brian Hoyer with the Patriots as well played in the Super Bowl. So there you have it. I'm actually recording during the fourth quarter of Bengals. Chiefs right now, so maybe Joe Bocci makes it two Spartans into uh, the Super Bowl, but uh, you, you'll probably know that by the time you even listen to this show. So hey, thank you so much everyone for giving us a listen here at Locked on Spartans, your team every single day. You ever want to reach out? LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Uh, there will be no shortage of mailbag questions that we could use this week, as there's a whole week between games. So yeah, send us uh, your questions there, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Until then, hey, hope you guys have a great week ahead. Love you all. Go Green.